I was still trying to find a deal. I was trying to find some the family that I could either purchase as a JV partnership, something smaller or something bigger I could take to a syndication team and say, hey, I've got this property, let's do it. And I was just was not finding anything that for me, I felt comfortable with that for the returns. The returns just weren't good enough. You know, I was like, I got to make sure it's a home run deal to, to make it work out just in case. You don't want to take any risk. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. And I usually say this is like a journey, a podcast. We're on a trip together or something. You may be in a car, you may be in an RV traveling down the road. Who knows? Nobody knows, but you know, and I'm glad to be today with Don Spafford, who is the RV specialist at Happy Camper Capital. Guys, let's take a minute to just bask in the the delight of having Don on the show. Finally, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, my pleasure. And yeah, yeah. Finally, like you said, it's been a long time, I guess, in, in the hopes and coming that I'd one day end up on the Weiss Advice podcast. And here I am. Well, you know, you can retire now, a happy man. You've accomplished everything you set out to accomplish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's awesome, guys. I want to give a little bit of context if you guys don't know who Don is, which you probably do already by now, which is just a testament to his consistent putting in efforts on social media, on the podcast, you know, loop, getting around there. But he is a real estate investor. He's from Idaho. That's right, guys, Idaho. I'm sure he's going to tell us a little bit more about how beautiful it is up there. And he specializes specifically now in, what I mentioned before, RV parks, right? Campgrounds. This is an asset class that we have not really touched on at all in this podcast. I myself have actually invested in at least one RV park. I'm not going to tell you guys all my secrets on this show, but it is something that I believe in. There are you know great returns in there, like all types of real estate. You can find great deals. So love to have you on the show and you know, give us a little background, how you got started and you know, what are you up to? Yeah, well, thank you, Yona. As probably many people know, at least the ones that follow me on LinkedIn, I'd say most of them should know that by now that you know I definitely attribute much of where I'm at today because of you. You know, you do your LinkedIn challenges and social media stuff, which at the very beginning, I had zero social media presence at all. And I was inspired by others doing your challenges. I got to get out there and do this. You know, I was not ready to join your challenge right away at the beginning, but it inspired me to get started and, and do my own posts and just, you know, get that momentum going. And so uh, I thank you enough for doing all you do to help inspire people like myself to become better. That's awesome. I remember very vividly when you did, you know, your first video, right? It was like, really yeah. uncomfortable, right? <laughs> you know, wearing your bigger pockets shirt and, you know, just getting out there doing something out of your comfort zone. Now today I want you to continue, but I want to just digress here for a second because I don't want to forget this question yeah. knowing now what you knew then. Right. And I remember me first, my first video that I put up online, I was like so uncomfortable and so nervous yeah. about it. And you know, you just do it, just post it and that's it. Forget about it. I mean, some people do it and just delete it yeah. after a minute, but looking back on that, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, I, I'd say it was probably one of the best decisions I've made, I guess, for my say, professional career, we'll say, as you said, for me, it was one of those things where I could have just made a simple post, like, you know, just words or something, but I wanted to go big. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I got to just go all out and 
you know, push my comfort zone to the limit. And so, yeah, I'm going to make these five videos in five days. Just, you know, I didn't really have much to talk about. I was no, you know, professional in any sense, but I was like, I'll talk about what I like, what's influenced me. So yeah, I talked about many of the podcasts I listened to and things that I've done or read that influenced me to help me get to where I was even at that point, just from investing in real estate. And so, yeah, I, those videos and the first one, like you said, I was, I had it there. I uploaded. It. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, I was about ready to not do it, but I was like, nah, you know, what do I got to lose? I just put it out there. And and luckily, even by that point, I had made up several connections already by going just to online meetups that I had good support from people like yourself that were just kind of cheering me on and helped me uh, feel good about doing it and to want to continue. So, and myself knowing that I had people that contacted me afterwards that, you know, I guess thanked me for helping influence them to want to do it also just to kind of also to get out there and get out of the comfort zone. So that was great to, for me to, to have that type of response. And so, so, yeah, since then, it's just, you know, I've tried to keep it going. You know, it was kind of somewhat inconsistent at first. I'm now I'm trying to post at least daily, I'll say weekday, daily, like Monday through Friday. I tried to stay off social media on weekends, but anyway, so yeah, it's been fun and you know, it's to the point now where I, I try to get creative with it and try to have some fun with it, you know, and hopefully I'm at least doing that. That's important. You got to get creative and you got to have fun. And, and like the sign on your virtual background says, invest where you play, right? You got to have fun. You got to have yep. fun in life and in business. And tell us what that means to you, why you have that up on your background. Yeah, well, that goes along with we invest in with these RV campgrounds, you know. So, you know, <laughs> I tell people that you know, if you invest in an apartment building, you're probably not going to live there and not likely going to have a barbecue in the parking lot with your friends. But, you know, if you are an RVer, like outdoor camping or, you know, just outdoor sports, you know, water skiing, boating, you know, whatever, all these outdoor activities, those are all part of what, you know, our community is with Happy Camper Capital. We invest in these outdoor hospitality resorts. And, you know, if you enjoy that, you can go there and, and play but also invest in there. So, you know, you're enjoying your investment more than just having it on paper and talking about it. You know, you get to go there and hang out and have fun with your friends and family, have great discussions about investing in real estate while at the place you're investing in. So, yeah. Sure. It's a business, you know, it is real estate, obviously, but it's a business in of itself because it generates revenue differently. Maybe you might have multiple streams of revenue on the campground besides for just like the lot rent, you know, spending some time there. Like you said, there may be some more resort activities involved. Maybe you have some boat storage or all kinds of things like that. Maybe you can give us some insight to that because like you said, it's very different from just investing in a multifamily property. It has the same principles. Obviously, you're looking at the income, you're looking at expenses, you're looking, you do own land. It is real estate, obviously, but it's more like a business than in a different way. I mean, your customers or your clients are different than just long-term tenants, which is, I think, what makes it kind of unique. It's more like, you know, I would compare it more to a short-term rental, vacation rental in that sense, or even a restaurant where, you know, you may own the building, you have something and you can go there and you can hang out and you can, like you said, you can have fun and you can bring people there and enjoy your own business and enjoy, uh, you know, what it offers to the public. Yeah. And that's a perfect analogy. That's usually how I tell people, to think about it, it's, you know, like I said, a short-term rental at a multifamily scale, really. So that produces high income for these properties. And we don't have to worry about, you know, eviction moratoriums or tenant turnovers and, you know, replacing carpets and appliances and that kind of stuff. So it makes it a lot, I guess, less stressful and easier overall just to manage it. So yeah, we enjoy it. Have you done any other things just for, you know, from identification and for the listeners, like what other things you've been involved in, in the real estate world besides, and we'll get back to campgrounds in a minute, because I'm really, I'm still interested in it, even though I've done my own research, but it's something, like I said, we haven't really talked about. So actually, you know what, let's hold the question. We'll come back to the question I just posed, but let's stick on campgrounds for a minute. What are some of these other income streams that are involved, you know, at the campgrounds besides for just, you know, lot rent? You know, I haven't been personally to a campground in many years, 
but I don't even know what's involved there. Yeah. Like you said, there, there can be many, you know, typically around 10, usually different income streams. So yeah, you got your lot rents, which is, you know, basic, you know, aside from that, just any other, we'll say campsite rental space, you know, you got, might have cabins or, you know, tent camping spaces, people will pay for that. So we'll, we'll conclude all that and say the lot rent for those. Then you can have, of course, most places are going to have like a convenience store. So you're going to have just, you know, general goods you're selling, you know, snacks and whatever, fishing gear, oil, that kind of stuff people would want. Then you may have a restaurant on site, as you mentioned, which also creates its own revenue stream from that. Typically, we don't want to run the restaurant. We'll just own the buildings and rent out the building to a restaurant owner who wants to operate there. Then we have, for example, you may have, depending if it's on a place with water features, you could have a boat rentals or like paddleboard rentals. You know, well, we typically charge, we're planning to, as we put our CapEx on properties we take over, we look to implement basically like a rubs feature or we'll, we'll charge back the electricity usage that people are, are using. In particular, if you think about for the electric vehicles that come through, they're going to suck up a lot of electricity. So we want to make sure that they're paying for that electric use. Then you're going to have, well, again, it could be very good. Every property is going to be unique in its own way. You may have something to have something with like horses. You could have like horseback riding stuff going on. You know, people pay for that, you know, or ATVs, kind of similar type thing, or golf carts to get around the property. You know, could have a golf course on site or something where you're going to pay to use that. You know, lots of things. You know, the cool thing is like pretty much anything you can think of to do, you can probably do there and create a new income stream. You know, you might have a, a water park feature on site. You're going to pay to use that water park. Yeah. You know, we have some places we'll put in like a an amphitheater to have like concert events, you know, so people that are maybe not even coming there for camping, mm-hmm. they'll come there for these other experiences too, just to come there and, and go to a concert, go to these water parks and things and still be there to spend money on site, not necessarily for camping. That's really cool. So, do, I mean, I would imagine there's probably a team in each one of these kind of on-site staff at a lot of these parks right. and, you know, possibly even like a marketing, you know, or events coordinator type manager that could even, you know, do some of these things or bring events or bring groups and things like that to these parks. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, other things there's, there could be uh you know, large buildings or like a barn type thing on site that do, you know, wedding receptions, corporate, you know, events, family reunions, you know, all kinds of things where people would rent out that space and use as well, you know? So, but yeah, it's pretty incredible when, when you get down to those numbers to be yeah, there's going to be a campsite manager on site, then all the staff to support all those different things, you know, but then we also have for happy camp capital anyway, we have our own separate uh, management company called beyonder camp that oversees the, the, the campsite management has the software, you know, the website presence to get the online reservations, you know, all those things in place, you know, hiring the staff, training them, get them onto our ways of doing things, you know? So we have all that uh, already, implemented and in place to oversee each of the campsites individually. Very cool. So when you're looking at like potentially a new park or a new campground to take over, what are some of the things that you're looking for? Obviously, you know, when you're looking at investing in multifamily, especially in the value add space, you're always looking for new ways that you can cut expenses, increase revenue, you know, the obvious of bumping rents and things yeah. like that, that people are doing. Right. I mean, is it kind of the same thing? Or are there different aspects that you're looking for? Well, so for what we look for, you know, our team in general, the two basic criteria, first of all, just to start with, not even talking about the value add, just our basic search criteria. We, we want something that's at least 100 existing mm-hmm. rentable campsites that includes, you know, cabins, tents, RVs, you know, at least 100 existing sites that can be rented, preferably with room to expand. So additional acreages where we can add on more or put on other features. And then the big thing for us as well is the location. So we do purchase across the country, you know, we're you know in the U.S. for now. We may expand into Canada possibly here soon, but, but for now we focus in the U.S., across the country, we're not, you know, isolated to a certain region or state, but we want to have something that is within a, about a two or three hour drive of a major city. And the reason for that, of course, is for our risk aversion. We want to make sure that, you know, if, if gas prices go crazy and people can't, you know, travel cross country or they right. don't want to cross country with a big gas price, 
you know, people that love camping, have RVs and, and whatnot, they still want to get out and have fun, still go use them. So they'll drive that short distance to get out there and go to these places. So that's the two minimum criteria, the size and location. Gotcha. And on top of that, for the value add, yeah, like you said, first of all, it, most of these campsites have been mom and pop owned, you know, for a long time, possibly even passed through family generations. And so typically, you know, they're living there and they're doing the job of like six people themselves, you know, so they're very much, you know, overworked and can't really keep up to be efficient. And so first of all, there's just this, that alone, right? So we'll get in there, bring in the proper staff and things to make it just run better. And that alone is going to make it just more operable and you know, profitable. Typically they keep it simple. So, you know, they probably don't have much of a website presence. And if they don't do online reservations, you have to make a phone call, you know, make a phone call reservation and they'll, to keep it simple in their minds, they'll say it's the same price every day of the week, any time of the year, right. say this much is per night, you know? So if we come in there with our online reservations, which could help people that don't like making phone calls, they can just reserve online, first of all. And then that includes some dynamic pricing. So, you know, the price will vary depending sure. on the time of week and day of year and whatever. As it gets more full, those remaining spaces go up. Just implementing that alone is typically going to increase the revenue by at least 5%, you know? So from there, it's just general improvements, we'll say, you know, so, you know, if they may, some places may have already a convenience store, but not much of a selection sure. there. So we're going to, you know, improve their convenience store, maybe make it bigger, add on more things. Then we look to add on additional features. Like I said, if needed, add in an amphitheater, possibly a lazy river or, you know, other just cool amenities that people will want to come and do. And then, you know, of course, the expansion, right? So if we have, say, 150 campsites, but there's room to add on and demand for another 50 or so, we can add those on and, you know, make it bigger and therefore, you know, more profitable as well. You know, and then again, from there, it's just going to depend on the property location, what fits best to, you know, think outside the box right. and what's going to work here and implement that to add on these other features, amenities that will make people want to come there. Sure. So much, I mean, it's really complex. It really is. And it sounds like so much opportunity, especially when you're dealing with mom and pop owners that have everything, you know, it's not digitalized. I mean, yeah. are you using, obviously there are softwares I'm sure you guys are using in terms of the pricing and in terms of the management, but are you using any like third-party softwares for booking and things like that? Like, can these go up on Airbnb or VRO and any, any of those sites? Yeah. So of course we have our own software we use that we utilize through Beyond Our Camp you know, website. But when we have other, like say cabins mm -hmm. or camp model campers that are on site that we want to rent out like as a short-term rental type thing. Yes, we do also post them on, on Airbnb and, and whatnot to, to get those, right. that crowd not necessarily looking for, you know, campgrounds, but they want to look for exotic, cool, you know, Airbnb place to go and get their Instagram pictures right. or whatever, you know, so <laughs> we'll put up those on there as well and have that to get that crowd to come in as well. Yeah. That's amazing because there seems like so much opportunity. I'm kind of mash them together a little bit between RV parks and campgrounds. And there is there should be, I think, a distinction. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think of an yeah. RV park in the traditional sense, I'm thinking of, you know, similar to a mobile home park where people are actually going to be there for you know relatively midterm or long-term, you know, stays. And so the turnover yeah. is less, obviously. Uh, whereas, you know, a campground, sure, there may there are spots and you know for the RVs to camp there, but it's really more of a campground. People are really there on a much more short-term basis. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. I try to make that distinction when I talk to people that, you know, you'll generally not hear me refer to it as RV park because yeah, we don't buy RV parks. Gotcha. Um, like you said, those are more like a mobile home park or even like the side of the highway place where people just pull over to stop because they they need to rest and then they'll keep driving, but they're not actually staying there unless there's no amenities there. Those are not what we buy. As you said, we're more of the more the transient population. People that are there for a short term, maybe they'll stay for the full summer or winter or whatever, but typically they're there for a weekend, a week, you just go out and have quick vacation and have fun and then go back home. I mean, that to me, that it's a totally different business model. And when you talk about like 
10 different income streams, you know, I don't think you're going to have that on any type of property besides for, you know, something like a resort that you're describing. In a mobile home park, you're not going to have that. Sure, you might have like a convenience store, you might have, you know, some laundry, you know, things like, but not that many. You're not going to have resort type activities where it is really a place where people are looking to get away and people are looking to have events there or have just go outdoors yep. and camp. I think it's awesome that you guys are really looking all over the country and really investing there. Do you have any data? I'm just curious in terms of like how many types of campgrounds like these exist currently in the US? Boy, I, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I don't have the number off my head, but there are a lot of them. We'll say that there's, and they're all across the board of first like level of, you know, amenities and where it's at, you know, between the, you know, the RV parks and you got the destination campgrounds, you got the resort campgrounds, right? There's different tiers of what they are, you know? So, but there's a lot of them, but at the same time, there's not enough of them, you know? So there's huge demand. And as of right now, if, right. if everybody in the U.S. that owns a camper RV wants to go camping on the same weekend, there would not be enough room to hold them all. There's just, you know, not enough space as it is. So there's you know, that, that right there has that built in, like, you know, you got to reserve way ahead of time to, to get into place usually. Right. Sure. And I'm sure you can gauge demand based on, you know, I guess, I mean, is there a marketplace currently for something like that? Meaning if I'm looking for Airbnb or I'm looking for even multifamily or to rent a property, like I can go and there are data sources. I can see what the occupancy is in certain types of things in certain places and how likely it will be to find a place to rent. I mean, is there something similar? Is there any sort of kind of centralized data system for this asset class? Yeah, there's a few. There's a couple of major websites. And, and right now, see, right now I'm drawing a blank what they're called. <laughs> like would CoStar, would well, CoStar include some data on these type of things? I don't even know. I've never looked. Possibly. You know, I, I, don't, I don't, haven't used CoStar. I've checked in there before to help define campgrounds. It's mm -hmm. not really super filtered like, like that. You know, what we use to find them, honestly, to, to talk to the owners. And if maybe we're giving away our secrets here, I guess. But there's, for if you yourself wanted to go camp somewhere, you say, hey, I'm going to go take a trip to, say, you know, Ohio. I want to look at what campgrounds are in Ohio. There's a source called Good Sam. So you can look up on Good Sam. I look up the campgrounds, find the ones that have the amenities you're looking for and, and whatever. And you know, that's typically where you then call unless they have a website to reserve online. But so we use that same resource to find the campground and call the campground ourselves directly because typically, again, they're owner operated. Right. So if you call it, you're probably going to pretty easily be able to talk to the owner. Right. So that's kind of how we go about finding our sources. That's pretty cool. Now, I would think if I'm looking to you know go vacation somewhere, I'm going to just write into Google like campground in Ohio or Delaware or I don't know, probably not Delaware, yeah. but you know, Wyoming. Like, and I'm going to look there and I'm going to search Google and probably a bunch of things are going to come up. I would hope that, you know, part of your business model and the happy camper capital is to use the SEO and to use these type of stuff just right. so that you're always at the top of the searches. So when people are going to be looking for it, they're going to find your campgrounds. Yeah, definitely. And we're at the point where we are now, even expanding as a company with multiple properties under management, we're in process, we'll say, of looking for a specific marketing person to kind of even help with that to do even better than what we're doing. Because yeah. we're not experts in that and we don't have the capacity to do it all. So we're, you know, as usual as any business grows, you know, you hire on staff that help you absolutely you know, those tasks that need to be done. Yeah. And those are certain things that are just like, seems like a no brainer. I mean, if you want to rank and Google, it's a science. It really is. Yeah. And, you know, I know people out there, like there's guys you know, I see on LinkedIn or people on bigger pockets and stuff like that, that are just experts in, you know, in their niche of using not just social media, but using, you know, SEO and Google rankings and things like that. So that's pretty cool. So I do, we dive, we went deep, deep dive into campgrounds. And I'm really glad we did because it sounds like such an awesome asset class. Like I'm thinking to myself, and this often happens when I'm talking to people on my podcast, I'm like, wow, 
you got a great business model. How can I get involved? And it sounds like there's so much opportunity out there, not a lot of competition. Like I don't see tons of syndicators or tons of other groups going out there and operating campgrounds. Yeah. And that's to our benefit, obviously, you know, (laughs) there are a few others I know of and others that are getting into it or want to get into it. So it's definitely getting people's attention as as people are looking for something better. As we all know right now, the, the typical you know, commercial real estate things, multifamily and self-storage mobile home parks are are kind of overheated, we'll say. They're overcrowded. So it's hard to find deals. And the ones you do, you're still competing against 20 other offers. And so you have to go above what you'd want to just to get something and hope it works out, you know, for, I call minimal returns typically, you know, they're still good. I'm not saying they're they're bad, but just for me personally, weren't good enough was what kind of led me to get into the campground space. So I guess I don't know if you, know, you want to go back to your previous question right, about what got me here, I guess. is So yeah, my other things I do, I started with a fourplex. My very first investment property five years ago was a fourplex local to my area. because I knew I wanted to go multifamily. I had no interest in single families to begin with. But you know, a fourplex was the biggest I could do. And you know, without going to commercial, I didn't have experience with that. And then so I, at that point, I planned to just keep buying fourplexes was my goal. I'm just going to keep buying fourplexes and build up this portfolio. It took about a year and a half later before I bought two more out of state this time. And, you know, after that, even at that point, so that was in like 2018, we'd made offers on, on some other ones. And even at that point, it was starting to get difficult. That that very first one I bought was on Craigslist. I found a listing for first time I on Craigslist, the fourplex. It was a very nice property. And, you know, he, he had it listed, you know, I guess right before that, you know, the MLS, but, you know, nobody bought it. It's turned out to be an amazing property for me. But at that point, there wasn't as much competition as there was later on. So as I started to get more overheated, I was like, okay, this is getting too crowded. I, you know, I get outbid every time on anything else I offer on. So I, I was trying to, doing something else. And luckily by this point, I'd sort of built up a network. I still was not active on social media at all. The only place you could find me really was bigger pockets. I was kind of active on there, asking questions, answering questions and whatnot. And so reaching out to podcast guests, you know, that were on their show, I'd say, Hey, I loved what you talked about and love to learn more. And, you know, doing that just built up great connections for me just from doing that alone, which I definitely always encourage people to, you know, if you listen to podcasts, you like what somebody's saying, like, if you like what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> feel free, please reach out and talk to me. You know, I'll be happy to talk to you. So exactly. I did that and getting on people's email lists and, you know, brokers lists, you know, wholesale lists, things like that. I had these properties sent to me all, all the time. And in that, actually, I guess past that, the fourplexes I bought in, in Arkansas later on, that, that broker I used brought me an opportunity to, to flip some land. And it was looked like an amazing opportunity. The land was definitely undervalued and there was a, about to be a huge explosion of lots of development was about to go up in this area. And it was this commercial land. And so I was like, hmm, sounds interesting. You know, I was like, I don't have the money for it, but I was like, let's see what I can do. I said, so got it under contract. I had to be able to close on it in about a month. That was the problem. It's like, need to be able to close a month. Yeah. I was like, for the price was, you know, pretty close, about say half a million on it. So for two and a half acres. And so I was like, I was, what have I got to lose? Right. I was give it a try. <laughs> Get under contract. And I started just reaching out to people I had built up that contact list from and seeing if anybody would be interested in, in, you know, joining me on that. And luckily I found actually a couple people that were interested, but ended up using one that was local to that area. He does a lot of house flips. So he already had a, a contact list of private investors. So he his resources to get the capital to, to purchase it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were planning to hold it for a year and sell it you know, a year later to get the long-term gain. But that year later was 2020. So we couldn't just yet. <laughs> so we held on to it a bit longer. But that property led to another one down the road. I got a smaller lot this time to build on. So uh, again, got under contract, went and found a, a partner that would want to, to join me on this time, tent to build, not just to flip the land, wanted to build on it. So at that property, we're going to be building a five-unit strip mall on there. Uh, right. So for a full on commercial development project okay. with triple net lease you know, tenants. And then from there, that, that was kind of the same process nice. where I was starting to build up these connections on LinkedIn. I was starting one of these meetup events and get to know people. And a local team here that had previously invest, asked me to invest in one of their projects, you know, in the years past, which I turned down at the time because it, it, the returns weren't great enough compared to what I was buying in these fourplexes. 
So they approached me again, had a new project coming up that was looking much better. This was like a townhome community build. There's going to be built and sold. Mm-hmm. You know? The returns were great. I was like, hey, this looks pretty good. I'm actually interested now. So I, I mentioned to them, I was like, hey, I'm now network with lots of other investors and people that may be interested in this as well. I was like, if you would be willing to let me join you guys, I could probably help you bring capital to your, to your deals. So they agreed. And so I joined up with their team. And pretty much soon after that, this was now my first syndication deal I got involved in. Mm-hmm. Right after that, this opportunity came up to do this huge development of 800 unit project of multifamily. So I got wow. involved with that, helped raise capital for, for that deal, which was my first experience raising capital. And you know, being a development project was a bit more complicated. You know, was not well, it was not easy raising capital as much as people think it is. Sure. But on top of that, it was a development project, and nobody knew me really well <laughs> to trust me enough. Anyway, so so it was difficult, but I still did you know fairly well for my first attempt. That's awesome. Wow, I'm sure you learned a tremendous amount through that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then, you know, and with that team, we've got another project we're working on now, which is it was great. So in that time frame, this was still you know early 2021. I was still trying to find a deal. I was trying to find some the family that I could either purchase as a JV partnership, some smaller, or something bigger I could take to a syndication team. Say, hey, I've got this property. Let's do it. And I was just was not finding anything that for me I felt comfortable with that for the terms. So the returns just weren't good enough. You know, I was like, I got to make sure it's a home run deal to, to make it work out just in case. You don't want to take any risk. And so I was not lucky, not finding anything that I liked. I looked for more syndications. Okay, well, I could just still invest as an LP investor in somebody else's deal. And everything I was seeing, again, were good, but for me, not good enough, not great. I was like, yeah. So I was like, there's got to be something better. I just kept holding off and holding off. And and I started to feel that FOMO, right? I was like, I see every people closing these not deals and people talking about what these deals are doing. I'm like, man, am I missing out? I should just get in because there's, there's nothing, maybe there's nothing better out there. I don't know. And then uh, it just happened to me on a podcast. I heard somebody talk about campgrounds. And that kind of like a light bulb went off. I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. You know, where I live in Eastern Idaho, we're close to Yellowstone Park. You know, everybody around me has campers and RVs. They all go camping. And so I thought about that more. I looked into it. I went to more webinars and different meetups of people talking about campgrounds and, and started, you know, networking with people in that space. To, initially, I was offering to be a boots on the ground. If someone wanted to buy something here in this area, I could go check it out for you. I take videos. My wife's a realtor. We could help you buy it, et cetera. And just doing that, I met a couple guys out of Denver that, you know, had just recently started their company, Happy Camper Capital, and talked about their goals and what they were doing. They had already closed on one campground in, in Iowa and they told me about the kind of returns they were getting. And I was like, that sounds incredible. And for what I was looking to do and where I was looking to go, they liked my, I guess, enthusiasm and goals. And so they invited me to join their team. And so I was at first not sure because I was still, I was like, you know, I, everything I knew when I was focused on was multifamily. I was in a couple of masterminds. They're all around multifamily. I'm like, am I going to get ridiculed and kicked out and laughed at? And, you know, but after I thought about it more and looked into it, I was like, okay, five years from now, where's this going to be? It's like, am I going to regret not taking this opportunity? And so I was like, what do we got to lose? Give it a try and go for it. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you know, at least I tried and can't, no, no regrets, right? So, so yeah, so I, I joined up Happy Camper Capital and, and like almost immediately just was, I, as I learned more myself and saw what we were doing, where we're, the team is going. And I just, you know, I was like, this is incredible. So I, I just, you know, get out there and I talk, tell people about it, tell people there are something else out there besides multifamily and, you know, the other things that people know of with uh, commercial syndications and, you know, the returns for me are better. And so like, I'm assuming if they're for me, where I expect, you know, what I look for, it should be good for other people too. Right? Yep. So yeah. So I was like, and on top of that, you know, like I said, my neighbors, right. My neighbors are typically higher income earners. I've got like five lawyers in my neighborhood and, and most of them have campers and they go camping. But okay. I've talked to them in the past about investing with me in some multifamily deals, but none of them, it's not something they understand. It's not, you know, they don't know about it. They, mm-hmm. They're scared of it. I approached them, asked them about, hey, campgrounds, I'm investing in right. campgrounds. What, you know, is that something you'd be interested in? And that's, you know, a whole different conversation now because this is something, like you said, the investor you play. Yeah, they, they go there. They use these places. They understand it. They know it. So yeah, it's, they'd love to invest in that. So I realized there's a whole different, you know, group of people out there that may have no interest in investing in real estate, but 
they would invest in this because it's something they use and understand, right? So that's so cool. The cool thing about that, you think about that, you know, the people that use our campgrounds are likely going to be people that invest in our campgrounds. You know, you know so if you have a, a multifamily property, 100%. probably your tenants aren't going to be investing in your syndications, right? But the users of our campgrounds probably could or will. So, so th- I'm just throwing out a good business development idea there. Take it or leave it. But this jumped in my head. But you know, make sure to to put signs up in the, you know, in campgrounds themselves. You know, if you're interested in investing in a campground like this, <laughs> getting great returns, reach out right. Happy Camp yeah, Capital, exactly. you know, put it in the lodge, you know, put it in the general store, put up, you know, signs. I'm serious. That to me, yeah. you never know. Like people like, hey, this is a great idea. Yeah, Why not? exactly. We've actually, you know, I don't know if we've done much full on marketing for that, but we have had a couple of people that have, with some of our recent acquisitions, even the, the campground staff or people that are involved with it, you know, they came to our website and like, hey, I want to learn more. So yeah, sure. Yeah, like there's definitely, a, that's definitely, a, I'd say a marketing tactic we're going to pursue. That's so cool. Awesome. Well, before we jump into what I call the final four, I'd love for you to just Show everyone what you're wearing today, Don. Can we get a little screenshot over all here? All right, all right. We got, we got room to stand up here. Wait, so. Can we back up a little bit to get a little screenshot there? We can't even see your face. That, that's my not face good. Here, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have enough space. I'm hitting the wall. <laughs> you got a wall. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, all right. Let me see if I can get a screenshot there. All right. Beautiful. That's awesome. Because he's wearing <laughs> the Weiss Advice t-shirt, guys. If you want a Weiss Advice t-shirt, all you got to do is... Make a post on social media about an episode that you listened to that you enjoyed. Leave a review and reach out to me and let me know and we can make it happen. So Don, have a seat and I'm going to throw out to you the final four. First question to you is what is the worst job that you ever had? That was kind of hard. Honestly, I have not had many jobs, which is, you know, I started working when I was 14 years old and every job I've had, I typically stay there several years. So I wasn't ever a job hopper, but I'd say the worst one, probably one summer I worked with a construction crew, like we did some roofing and siding and stuff. You know, I learned a lot, but it definitely was not fun, I guess, to turn off a roof in a hot, humid summer in Nebraska. So, 100%. Yeah, that was probably, I'd say, you know, again, it was somewhat fun. I learned some things, but not something I'd want to do again, for sure. Right, 100%. And probably not anywhere, not just Nebraska. It wouldn't be yeah. fun to be out in the sun on the roof. Yeah. Second question, what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Hmm. That one's a bit more difficult. Honestly, I should have put more thought ahead of time. But yeah, any book that's given you, you know, kind of just a great book that's kind of changed the way you've thought about something. Well, you know, since we're talking about, you know, real estate, you know, I'll go back to probably the first real estate book I read, which was not Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as most people would probably say. So going back to when when, when I said my wife is a realtor, when she first became a realtor, her, her broker suggested that she read the book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. So when I was searching to buy that book for her online, I came across, of course, a millionaire real estate investor, which I'm like, huh, that sounds interesting, right? So I bought both. So I give the agent one to her and I'll take the investor one. So I go with her to go show houses and, and I just sit there and, and read through that. So that was my very first real estate investment book that I've read. That was, of course, many, many years ago now. But, but I think that for me was probably the first, I guess, what, what opened my mind, opened the door to understanding about real estate investing and wanting to get into real estate investing more. So I'd probably say I'd have to go back to that one. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. Sounds like a good one. I haven't read that one yet, but New Dollar Real Estate Investor. Anything that Gary Keller writes, I mean, sounds like probably pretty good. So we'll yeah. check that out. He's been a successful entrepreneur, obviously, if anyone knows Keller Williams. Yeah. So third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And this could be anything. 
Yeah, honestly, I'd say I, I wish I knew how to play the piano oh. very well. You know, I don't play at all, but I want to play not just chopsticks. I want to play, play really well and play beautiful songs. And as I was a kid, of course, I had the opportunity. We had a piano in my home. My mom knew how to play. She would teach her sisters, but I never had the interest. <laughs> I was like, that's, you know, that's not for me. That's for girls or something. Young. So, you know, I wish now I would have taken that chance to learn it. And, you know, I think, you know, people that can play, you know, beautiful songs on the piano are just amazing. So I would love to have that skill. That's awesome. Well, one day, maybe you will. We'll definitely look out to hearing the, you know, the Spafford Concerto. Time freedom, I'll try to work on that. All right. And fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? Well, <laughs> so I'd say, honestly, success is not based on income. It's not based on material things. It's, you know, being able to have the freedom to do the things you, you want to do and be with people you want to be you know, having that time freedom, financial freedom to do those things and to dedicate time to helping others and to being with their family and creating memories, you know, so, you know, having a huge house and, and expensive cars, not going to be fulfilling. Yeah. You know, that just helps your pride maybe, but that doesn't really matter in the long sense of things. Right. So, so yeah, being able to do what you want when you want, I guess is really success. You're not being told you have to work so many hours and you can't take a vacation because you got to get this project done or whatever. So, or if your mom's sick in the hospital, you can yeah, spend time with your mom and, and not say, you know, I got to work. <laughs> so that's for me success. 100%. Well, I love that. Love that answer. And finally, Don, where can our listeners find you or what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, as we discussed, of course, LinkedIn, I'm pretty, you know, I guess active there. I try to be anyway. So you definitely find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook now as well. You can obviously go to happycampercapital.com. You can contact me there. We have under under our About Us tab, you can find my profile and even my calendar link so you can set up a time to talk if you want. Feel free to email me. Of course, if, you can, if you're watching this, we've got my email behind me, don.spafford at happycampercapital.com. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants to know more about investing in campgrounds or just about real estate in general. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Very cool. We'll make sure to put all that in the show notes. And... Really a pleasure, Don. I'm so glad we can make it happen. And thank you for joining us again. This has been a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, for sure. My pleasure. And, and you know, can't wait to get my full-on Weiss Advice swag out, entourage outfit. <laughs> the bodysuit. Yeah. The, the Weiss Advice spacesuit. Something like that. I look forward to making it. And then we'll get it out there. <laughs> we'll get it out to you. And to our listeners, guys, thank you again for listening all the way to the end once again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.